Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to episode what? Is it five? Of Homo sapiens. There's a lot of noise going on. It's like it's like, it's like we're it's like we're, it's like we're herding cattle in the background. Who's our guest for this week? Mickey Blanco. And who is Mickey Blanco, Chris? Mickey Blanco is a rapper, performance artist, poet. He's amazing. He's a boundary-pushing queer artist, isn't he? I think he's a trailblazer. Mickey Blanco began literally as make a video art project about a teenage girl in her senior year who wants to be a female rapper. Hey, what's up, Facebook? It's your girl. He's extremely candid, and he talks really touchingly about the first time he dressed up as Mickey Blanco, how he felt beautiful for the first time, and he got the attention of straight men. This attention from straight men was blowing my mind, like literally blowing my mind, because these are men that would have never talked to me as a gay boy. I can be Mickey Blanco. This feminine extension of my personality is very real. I don't have to transition to really be this person. I am this person. That's coming up next. Here on Homo Sapiens. I babysat yesterday. I took my niece shopping. Claire's accessories? Are you talking about me or my niece? <laughs> I actually wanted to go to Claire Accessories. We'll get your ears done. It's only like three quid. Me, ow, ow. Um, <laughs> they actually wouldn't let me. We went to JD Sports. Oh. It's all about sportswear. They just want to look like... I think they just want to look like Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas 15 years ago. But Do they know who Fergie is? No. It's all Adidas. Adidas. Mel Adidas. C. I'm it's Mel C. Is that what it is? Oh my God, it's totally Mel C. But then Little Mix look quite like Mel C. There's sort of a sporty sportswear vibe. It's, it's sportswear. As you know, I'm a big advocate of sportswear because it looks like you're busy, but you can get away. You can have a meeting in sportswear where essentially you're wearing your pyjamas. Yeah, you're No right. one knows. They just think you're busy. I fancy men in sportswear. Can I just say walking here today? Go on. So here we are in... Clapham, South West London. Just pouring a strong coffee. It's like Beverly Hills around here. Like everybody is in sports gear at the crack of dawn, getting in and out of their four by fours, going to the gym. There's a coffee, they're on the phone. What is that? It's just Clapham, isn't it? In East London, everyone's still out from the night before. Yeah, yeah, they're staggering back in a a skinny I did see one guy staggering back just now through the snow. Oh, did you? And he obviously did not go out dressed for it last night. Like little um, corduroy sort of thin denim jacket. Quite nice. Yeah, no, he looked good, actually. Well, the clothes was good. He definitely was feeling a little weary listener. (laughs) (laughs) Best walk of shame I ever had. Go on. Was in a... um, limousine across the wow. Napa Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people who can say that. How? It was at a four-day wedding and I went back with someone who was like Katy Perry's makeup person or something. Oh, anyway, cheap then. <laughs> woke up the next... So I looked good. Um, woke <laughs> up the next day and arrived back at the hotel. And the thing is that everyone was outside already 
outside on their balconies and I'm still in the suit from the night, night before so as I passed every single room they're like whoa where have you been oh really oh yeah. my god including Emma Bunton really yeah she was like you it's dirty just, stop out was this Simon so Fuller's wedding so no one um, <laughs> Simon Fuller's wedding but listen let me finish my story so oh, yeah. I um, purchased some stuff in JD Sports mm-hmm. for myself came back I had to cook three different types of suppers for, th- for the kids. Mm-hmm. I had Maxwell telling me that I wasn't a real human. You're not my mummy, he said. <laughs> He's six. And then in between this entire, th- whilst trying to tell me, uh, no, 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 actually, the mummy does let us have chocolate. Oh, um, I love that. That's funny. And then the other thing is I said, please don't shout. And he went, oh, yeah, I always forget about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned the oven for two hours. Good on you. I then had my the 15-year-old niece upstairs then with her friend listening to loud music. I then had my 19, 20-year-old nephew that had his friends come round getting ready for a night out. They were all in JD Sports stuff. And um, <laughs> what I will say to people that have kids is, how the fuck do you manage it? And Chris, I don't want to put you off surrogacy, but out and out, I do not want to babysit them. Boarding school. <laughs> now I get what my parents sent me to boarding school. <laughs> um, uh, I saw a very interesting film. Oh, what was it? Joaquin Phoenix. What was it? It's called something like I don't know if I want to know you anymore. Mm-hmm. Or um, oh, I know. Maybe um, I'm not sure if I want to be in touch. It's a very catchy title. You were never really here, is it that one? You were never really here. Joaquin Phoenix appearing like. I wouldn't even say overweight, but it's just like, you know, so often like you see men and women who are like, they'll only get their tops off if they're mm. looking basically like they'd appear in GQ. Mm. Um, and he doesn't, he just, he just looks like a normal bloke and he's, but he's, he's like strong, isn't he? Mm. He's like a powerful presence and he just occupies it. Anyway, and then there's another film coming out. There's a coming of age story film, Love, Simon. Yes, it's a gay story, isn't it? And someone was talking to me about this on Friday because gay cinema is having a really good time at the moment because we've got God's Own Country, which has done really well. We've got... Who do you think you are? (laughs) Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yeah, that. (laughs) And Love, Simon, which is a... A young sort of rom-com... With a gay thing, but it's mainstream. So people are getting behind it, which is great. Can I tell you what else I did this week? It's been on my mind all week, that documentary, What the Health, the vegan documentary. Have you seen it? No. It's all about the meat industry. And it's like an hour and a half. It's one of those things where when you get to the end of it, you're like, you turn off the thing, you're like, I'm going to have to become a fucking vegan, aren't I? Have you become vegan? No. No. Well, there was loads of meat in the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the industry around meat has gone mad. And so it just shows you the how it's made which we all you kind of know it you know what I mean but to have your memory refreshed a bit it's quite sensationalist as well actually as a documentary but there are really good points in it which is that what go on you know we're probably supposed to eat meat now and again but because there's a huge industry behind it 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 is pushed into your diet all the time so you can eat it three times a day without even thinking and the factory farming required for everyone to have that much meat is terrible what's it on Netflix should we go and rescue some cows Go and rescue some cows, yeah. Or little piggies. Cow tipping? We do not advocate cow tipping. Oh yeah, goodness me. I don't Fly know. tipping is a different thing, by the way. But and don't do that either. Don't you dare do that. because. But by the way, if you've got any junk, just drop off in my house. I'll paint it, <laughs> I'll paint it up real nice. 
Maybe. I've got desperate, desperate desires to move house. You know, one of my favourite things in the world is to be decorating. Treat me. Just treat me as your little LGBTQ plus mannequin. Just so I can decorate illustrate moi. for our listeners. Will is doing the same thing that Kate Winslet does at the front of the Titanic <laughs> boat. That's how happy he feels when we talk decorating. I told you my Kate Winslet story, didn't I? No. That I always used to get her invitations in the post for posh parties. Because oh, yes. I think Winslet and Will Young were probably within the same... I don't know. They're near each other in the alphabet. So I had a great time, Kate Winslet. Thank you so much. The Aldi Polo, Cartier Polo. Your, well, your BAFTA acceptance speech was absolutely <laughs> beautiful. And the winner is... I didn't mean to cry, but I couldn't help myself. <clears throat> Will Young for Titanic. Oh, my God. I promised myself I wouldn't cry. Speaking to Mickey Blanco, who has been... Everything from performance artist to rapper. Poet. Poet. He's a polymath and he's a really talented guy. I wondered what... What are the talents our listeners wish they had? So we went to Twitter, didn't we, William? Uh, Figure skating, says Steph Ellis at Steffi Jane. Uh, Chris, which Winter Olympic sport would you like to do? I think I know the answer to this. What? The luge. (laughs) (laughs) Pass the luge. I would love to do the luge. Is that like bobsleigh? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Just yeah. go down on one. Cool running. Oh, should we do the? <laughs> should we do the bobsleigh? What do you mean? Two of us. Really? Yeah, the first gay friendship to go down. Well, there's that and gay die on the on the, <laughs> on the. There's that gay bobsledder. Do you know his name? You must know him, the American guy. I've dropped my lighter. Everyone goes nuts for him. Gay bobsleigh star Simon Dunn. Simon Dunn. Other pictures are available. Oh, Simon. <laughs> go to the next one. What's he doing there on the bed? Gay bobsleigh athlete Simon Dunn apologised for naked photo. Le- it's all Don't there. apologise, Jesus. Um, um, what about you, though? Because you're quite the Winter Olympics fan. Thank you. It is curling. Oh. Yeah. Because I think it's a is social that the one on event. That's on, that's on ice. And I just think it's a social event. And I just think it's bloody brilliant. Well, you put the broom in front of yeah, it. That <laughs> I love that. What the hell are they doing? And how the hell did they get there in the first place? Yeah, I know. I just think it's, it's like tiddlywinks on ice. <laughs> Brilliant, just made out of stones. There's a TV show format we can sell. Richard O'Doran, juggling. I can juggle. Can you? Yeah. Where's the fruit bowl? Kiss goodbye to your satsumas. Clown music, please. <laughs> oh, he's got three apples. No. No. Take advice out of each one as I do it. Wow. That's pretty good, though. But I can only do three. I quite like this one, Paul John Bayfield, to speak all languages. So they're going to have this thing, have you seen, that will translate, like an ear implant that will translate what someone's saying as they speak to you. No. And speak the English in your ear like it's coming. Apparently. I'd love that. Can you imagine what that would change? You could go, I mean, you could still go anywhere in the world, but you could go anywhere and just assimilate into a community much quicker. I'd love that. You know what they're doing next? What? Electric cars. I can't believe it. <laughs> Electric cars. Really? Yeah. Sarah Hicks cowling to draw, sketch, paint. My mum mistook my picture of a horse at primary school for a sausage dog. Well, that's because your mum's got good taste. Because <laughs> you'd always want a sausage dog drawing in your house, wouldn't you? Can you draw? You're very creative. Um, been a, ever I did been think, a life model? I did think about becoming a life model for a bit. Did you? I also, yeah, I also was going to become, I thought about being an escort for a bit because 
I wanted to earn money. And I thought you could just go for dinner with people via an escort agency. I was like, that'd be fun. I'll go to like dinner with someone. And then this really nice woman I work with called Sophie sat me down and she was like, just so you know, there isn't really any such thing as a, an escort agency where people go for dinner. Like it's just expected that you'll have sex with them. I thought so that like, was different. I thought like there were people that just wanted to bring you to a party if they couldn't be bothered to, and that's in the Appar- films. Apparently it's not real. I think I, I like sent in my form and stuff. No, you didn't. Yeah, but I think they didn't get back to me. I got turned down for so many jobs as a kid. As a kid, I wasn't a kid during the escort time. <laughs> for jobs. I applied to be one of those charity people on the street. They said they didn't think I was right for it. What? I know. And you're the chattiest man I know. I know, and I'm so nice as well. You're really, really and really offended by you're that. You're charming. And I, yeah, thank you. You charm it out of them. Thank you. Then I got what I was told was a modelling job. And in fact, it turned out that I was selling petrol on a petrol station forecourt in a full head-to-toe Ferrari outfit. Why do you not still have that? That'd be bloody amazing. And there were so many nutters. You stand anywhere for long enough and you realise the world is full of crazy crazy people. And this one guy came up to me and was like, someone's flown two planes into the World Trade Centre. And I was like, yeah, yeah, buddy, move on. And that was (gasps) 9-11. So you were in a... Garage, petrol station, petrol yeah. station. Mm. Um, I stand corrected. Um, in a Ferrari outfit, yeah. trying to sell petrol, and I was in the Criterion Theatre that you? same day. Really? Yeah. What were you doing? Pop Idol. Is that where they did it? So they did the auditions. That's crazy, isn't it? I know, Esme. Didn't Daddy do well? Um, <laughs> and now it's time. For our interview with the performance artist, rapper, poet, etc., etc., Mickey Blanco. I'm fucked up, I know that I need her. I'm so sad, my best friend, this lap hat, my lover, my left hand, I done slammed, I done banged, myself up, I'm the rage. I know I'm really strange, I know I'm not the same as I was to you. I wholeheartedly did not realize I was gay until I was like 13, and it was in San Francisco because I had an uncle that was, I had an uncle that was a really popular rave DJ in the late 90s. His name was Rasta Q-Tip. And <laughs> I was allowed, like in the summers, because uh, I've always been very close to my father's parents. And so in the summers for a bit, my mom would let me, and they live, they used to live in a suburb of San Francisco called San Mateo. So I would spend summers with them but my grandpa was like, do you, he told me other, like, like a few years ago, he was like, do you remember like, you used to get out the newspaper and circle free events that you would want me to take you to. And because, the, and you knew that I would say yes because they were free. <laughs> <laughs> and he took me to my first concert. Uh, it was like, this is so crazy that he took me to this because he didn't, he didn't know any better. My first concert was a free Jamiroquai concert in Union Square in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I was like 11 years old or 10 years old or something. And I just remember like all of these people with like different colored hair and like all of these things that like I didn't quite understand but that I had seen on magazines or through TV as like alternative, you know? Mm. And he sat on a bench and he was like, I'm gonna sit here and you can you know, run to the front. And I remember literally running to the front and I was so little I could just squeeze and all of a sudden I was there, you know, with JK and like they're doing the whole thing. And my grandpa says, because my, my grandpa was also was like a, a minister, he tells the story that these like two young women 
like with dreadlocks, come up to him and ask him if he'd like to smoke a joint. And they're like, hey, Grandpa, how's your... It was the 4th of July. And they go, hey, Grandpa, how's your 4th? And I think it was that moment that he realized, like, what kind of, like... <laughs> yes, released his grandson. Yeah, yeah, like, what kind of event that he was at. Because he's like, oh, my God, what if someone from the church sees me here? Like, and just like, you know. But sometimes they would let me go and stay the weekend with my uncle. I love my uncle Frank to death, but he was incredibly irresponsible. Like, <laughs> irresponsible to like an insane level. Like really? stuff, with my uncle, at this time, my uncle was like 25, 26, if I was 11, he would DJ a gig, because I think things close in San Francisco, they stay open till two. He used to give me his keys and say like, you're only allowed to stay from this section of the Haight-Ashbury to Golden Gate Park if you want to leave the apartment, but you have to be back by the time that I'm back before 2 a.m. I'm like 11 years old. Yeah. Now that I have had, my nephew's a 12 now, now that I've been around an 11 year old, yeah. I'm like, how could you, because I mean, through this experience, I had one of my first sexual experiences, really? which now looking back, I was kind of taken advantage of because even though like, I definitely was was very like aware of like what I was doing. Like I hooked up with these two teenage boys, but like, I think I lied and said I was 16 and like they were like 19. And so it was just like, all of this was happening like in a bush on the Haight-Ashbury. Mm. And then like, everything did come to like a crashing. I, I think probably it was like, God being just like, okay, this could go somewhere dangerous. Cause one time I did end up like meeting these like other gay teenagers and they were more like street kids. I went with them to this apartment. Now old were you then? I think all of this stopped around the time I was like 14. Mm. Like where I think this like 14 is when I really got in trouble. Cause I wasn't, I, I think things went too far. I like went with them to this apartment and then we left the city. And I remember people were doing coke around me for the first time. I didn't do it because I was too scared. Um, you're just like, oh, I made a bad decision. Hmm. And like, I can't get out of this. Hmm. I remember I left the apartment and tried to figure out a way to get a bus back to San Francisco because we had gone to, on the other side of the bay to Oakland. And like these people offered to pick me up and give me a ride. And, and, and I, I could tell they were sketchy and that freaked me out. And you know, now I have a niece that's 15 and I'm like, I know what a 15, you know, now, you know I'm, I know what a 15 year old looks like. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I was that. Like, even though I may have I've been tall, I was still this like child, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, I remember my uncle freaked out. It was already like six in the morning. I wasn't back. He had freaked out, told on himself, confessed that he let me like go out, told my grandparents, they freaked out. And somehow I think I was able to use a payphone. And I think my uncle, wherever I was at, came and like borrowed a car from someone and picked me up. But then after that, I wasn't allowed to go to the city with him anymore. Like that ended that like whatever little grace period that was yeah. over like three years, like that was like it. And then I wasn't allowed to go to the city with him like anymore. And then like, I think my grandparents, like I think they didn't like talk to him for like two weeks or something. I think they were like super like pissed at him. I'm not surprised. Yeah, oh that was extremely irresponsible. So, um, you didn't just arrive, did you? Oh. This sort of perfectly formed... So, I, I always wrote. I always wrote, because I was a kid actor. Like, I auditioned for an episode of Dawson's Creek for, like, this role as, like, a nerd. But I was, like, too young. Amazing. And um, I took some inspiration from this lineage in New York that was, like, that was so apparent that was there. Like, people like Patti Smith, Tom Verlaine... Uh, from television, 
Uh, and I was really inspired by this art rock duo called Suicide, which was Alan Vega and Martin Rev. And what I realized that these people in the early 80s in New York were doing was a lot of them were writers, poets, and they ended up turning their poetry into lyrics. So uh, I got a friend together who was an electronic producer and uh, another friend who was like a bassist. And like we formed like a little like art rock band like with all of my poetry as songs and we were called No Fear. Mm. And it was this really aggressive, I had like a shaved head and like wore these like pants that I sewed the American flag like onto. And like was really this like Iggy Poppy, like screamy aggro thing. And it was this feeling also of like releasing a lot of this like pent up like queer rage. I developed this really kind of like anarchist, like queer, super aggressive attitude where it was like, you know, if almost like bad girls club in a way where like if someone like on the street said faggot where before I would have crossed the street and been like, Ugh, whatever, I was running over to the street, like getting into a fight, like really like, you know, like really, 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 really militant and combative. Um, because I felt like just because I'm a gay person, just because I'm a gay man, like you're, you're, you're no longer gonna like belittle me. And it was this huge chip on my shoulder for years. And it wasn't until I really matured that I realized that like, you can't go like picking fights with like every asshole that calls you like a faggot or you're gonna exhaust yourself, like, <laughs> get thrown in jail. Like you're, and, and there were oftentimes, sometimes I would even get beat up because there were people that like could definitely beat me up, you know? Mm -hmm. But so, but it was still, it was just like this, it was this feeling of like, you're not gonna knock me down anymore. And that was really a lot of the energy behind that like super punk period. See, so you, when you got with no fear, which, which most point out is my family motto. Or without fear, sans peur. Sans peur. Mm. Um, so technically it's a copyright. Um, <laughs> so um, what happened after that? So this is what happened. One day <laughs> when the whole world was introduced to a brand new female rapper named Nicki Minaj. And everyone was just like, who the fuck is this? Like, mm. she's like gnarly, like this is crazy. And then this huge, big public feud, you know, was happening, you know, with uh, Lil' Kim, who I think, I think she had been released from that weird prison stint where she like perjured herself, but she, like basically the, the, the head-to-head -head butt of like the rise of Nicki Minaj and like, you know, the battle for the crown with Lil' Kim was like happening. And so like, especially like queer rap fans, you know, of a female rapper, just like with popcorn, like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> our ears to the radio, just like, what is going on? Um, yes. You know, and, and so, Mickey Blanco began literally as just, and I think like I was, I remember I was living in Brooklyn at the time and I just had a new idea. And I think that it was make a video art project about a teenage girl in her senior year who wants to be a female rapper and who thinks in her own head that she's basically like a contender against both Nicki Minaj and Little Kim. Amazing backstory. And <laughs> that is literally the initial like blanket idea of, of Mickey Blanco. Um, and 
because I, I still have it up on my computer. I, I can literally show you right now the very first Mickey Blanco video ever made on social media. It's like sitting there on the computer. You can, I can you show can it. get it. Yeah, I can show yeah. it. But so, so you can maybe just have a context. It was just me like going into my bedroom. I, I based the first Mickey video on uh, this concept called haul videos, which are videos where teenage women usually will shop then then they make a video where they talk to their <coughs> their viewers about what they've like purchased and so but so, but also sometimes it can be like celebrity gossip and so this what i'm showing you right now is the original mickey blanco facebook and so see it's like seven years ago hey what's up facebook it's your girl um i got a new lipstick today I don't speak French, but it's called Sea Floor, and I googled that, and that means like sea flower. So so it's like so it was so it was literally just like um how do I <laughs> Facebook is so weird I can't it's very it's very natural. I don't know, it just feels like that is someone. Whatever that is. But so, basically, let me tell you what happened. So, <laughs> let, me you, let me tell you what happened. So, <laughs> I did this video and I started doing little photo shoots in my room and all of a sudden, it was so unlike how people had previously known me. You know, they had known me as this like, you know, toughy gay guy and like, Everything was really like punk and rah, rah, rah. And this was so not that. Mm. And also it's like that thing where I've now noticed this thing where it's like, it's like when you see a friend or anyone that you've known in drag for the first time, you know, and, and they like really look different in a way that you never had in the context of your head. All of a sudden I had like friends and people online being like, you're so cute. And like all of these things that like no one had really ever like said to me as like a gay man, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe like a boyfriend or something, but like I never really even had a boyfriend at that point. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And so, something happened. Something happened. It was like a magical crystal was like inside my belly button and dressing up as this persona like ignited, like you press the button and all of a sudden like all of this rainbow glitter magic comes out. I liked dressing up. And then 
one day, I don't know exactly, and I really, I really tried to sit down with myself and like do the osmosis and try to understand what made you that day leave the house and drag. What, like, what was your, what was that inner feeling that drove you to actually leave the house? I don't remember, but one day I was like, I'm gonna get dressed up, and after I do this Mickey video, I'm gonna go outside. Mm. I dressed up like fully. I took like took like two hours to do my makeup and everything myself, and I left the house. And what happened that day changed my life forever. Had I received negative attention that day, it would have maybe changed the course of kind of like everything. But I experienced for the first time men catcalling me. Uh, I got hit on that day. Like, I think like three or four times, like, and it was like, like actually like being like hit on by like guys that like were not gay guys. And, and I felt really like stylish and I felt like really like cute. And then after that one day, I kept going out more and experiencing more of the same kind of attention from men. And it blew my mind. When I really contextualize it, a lot of what I was experiencing, it's, it's a lot of the kind of things that women in their everyday lives, like, you know, in this kind of patriarchal society that we live in, that women rebel against, are tired of, find constricting, find confining. But to really like put this jigsaw puzzle of like queer male identity, it's like when you go through life being like a feminine, like gay man in a lot of ways to society that's like bottom of the rung mm. and and how you're treated especially by straight men all of a sudden you know now i'm thinking to myself you don't even have to be a woman you just have to be feminine and men will like and, and then straight men are like you know are like animals they'll like you know they'll like this attention from straight men was blowing my mind like literally blowing my mind because these are men that would have never talked to me as a gay boy mm. Being called pretty for the first time, being called beautiful for the first time, mm. it just changes your whole entire perception of yourself. That's quite, it sounds quite... Um, it's liberating in a oh, yeah, way. <laughs> it's quite beautiful. I mean, I've never heard anyone describe that kind of, I don't know how so quickly straight men who are the, the main kind of protagonists of abuse, let's say, towards gay people suddenly become the main... Sort well, of, it's almost like... It's by, a different attention, isn't it? Yeah. It's a different attention. By being a feminine man, you were getting a lot of shit. So through a sort of roundabout way, you found how to turn that femininity into praise. It's like dropping into a completely different ocean. The creation of the Mickey Blanco character birthed the, 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 this, this real Mickey Blanco identity, which then okay, was not a persona, was this like new feminine extension of myself. And so for two and a half years, I really, really thought that I was going to transition. Like I, I really thought that like this was what was, you know, kind of like my life path. And like I, 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 I felt like, okay, like this, everything is making sense. Now, I, I, I always tell people that a lot of times we're fed this transgender narrative that the person had to have felt like they were always in the wrong body mm. or that they knew from a young age that something was wrong. 
I have to be honest, that's not my narrative. I, I never felt like I was in the wrong body. Even if I was picked on for being feminine, I was very secure and okay in being a boy. So this idea that I felt like I was in the wrong body or that I always you know, knew that this was gonna happen, that's not my story. But I will say that there's this commonality where a lot of people who are genderqueer and trans where drag is that first little sprinkle of like, oh, like of an awakening, you know what I mean? Like where you're like, oh, this feels so natural, this feels so good. I did experience that and I think that freedom and liberation and 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 also I'm an I am an artist like all of a sudden putting on a new skin and all of a sudden I'm a whole new person even though I'm the same person but like a a whole new world like it's like oh shit this is like artistic gold this is like spirit this is like spiritual gold people like you know I, I had been searching for something like this feeling like really feeling like like really feeling creative energy like a real thing my entire life you know so I remember when I decided that I wasn't going to transition. Because as, at a certain point, I started to really, really question the transitioning. And I would get mad at myself. I would say, why are you questioning something that like should make so much sense? Like, because in my head, becoming a woman was going to make my life easier than being a gay man. I was totally convinced of that. I was like, I'm treated better. I'm meeting better quality of men. I was like, I, I had gone the whole white picket fence. I was like, we could adopt. I was like, the world would be a different place. I was like, this is better for my career. Like, people are paying more attention to me. People are treating me nicer. All of a sudden, I'm being asked to do fashion editorials and uh, hosting parties with Terry Richardson and, and Chloe Sevigny. And all of a sudden, this new identity is giving me all this access. And... So, so you're kind of doing the maths in a way, being Mickey Blanco, being, yeah. so why not go the whole... Yeah, and then after talking to a lot of best friends, after really like, I think fully understanding something in myself that I had personal problems and issues that becoming trans wasn't going to fix. And that I thought that becoming trans was going to be this magical wand that would kind of cure because I had like a, I had experienced like sexual abuse as a child and I had had some issues with sexual trauma like as a teen and a young adult. And so I thought that there were these psychological things that it was going to wave this magic wand and all of a sudden I was going to be like like this beautiful swan completely healed of all that stuff. And that's when I realized that, you know what? I think that what I've realized, what I've come to terms with is that I can be Mickey Blanco. This feminine extension of my personality is very real. This isn't a persona. This isn't a drag caricature. This is who I am. But I can do this and I can put this on and I don't have to transition to really be this person. I am this person. Yeah. <laughs> How beautiful that what started that, that video that you showed us on Facebook, what started in your room, you know, has become this now. And throughout the way, from the genesis to now, it's just the word that keeps on coming back to me is authentic. Because sometimes it's very hard to remain that true to oneself. Have you had any people from the trans community that go, you can't, because people get very proprietorial about their own processes. You know what's, well, only a little bit, and it's been from, honestly, truthfully, younger, genderqueer or trans people who 
are only find honestly are only finding out about who I am or what I do like this year or last year and thinking that like you know say like I you know someone said to me something last year like why do you claim transness or like why do you like you're like a cis normative like gay man and I'm just like you know my response could just be honey please do your research because like anybody who knew me in New York City or Paris or London or LA from 2011, 12 and 13 knew that this was not like something that just got put on and then put on stage. Mm -hmm. Like this is how I used to walk around New York City for a period every single day. People who knew who was in hushed tones that I was escorting in drag, people who and also in hushed tones, we're like, is he gonna transition? Is he not gonna transition? Is she gonna transition? Is she not gonna transition? It's like this idea that like, I would feel that I'm just performing transness. I always try to articulate like the truth of like what I've lived because like mm. in a lot of ways why I do feel mm. so close to the trans community and not just uh, the, the gay community is because I lived that. Like, uh, <laughs> so yeah. how important is it that we have those labels because in, in one sense I feel like we're all just being. The thing is is that I wish I could say that like we were at a place as a society where we didn't need those labels but for so many you know for your average Joe Schmo and for so many people who just now because of Caitlyn Jenner know what transgender is you know what I mean or who now have examples of what you know non-binary or genderqueer it's like these labels are so important, especially for this generation right now, the generation that'll follow them, and I think the generation after them. I think these labels honestly will be important for like three generations because I think it takes that long really, not only for a society just to become aware and cognitive, but to develop an understanding that isn't just sympathetic empathy but that is an understanding that this is natural, mm. that these ways of being across the gender spectrum are just as natural as this idea of a nuclear family. Mm. And I think only when, I think we will be either very old people or dead when actually in our society, and I, I guess I can really only speak to Western society, where that really becomes just like natural. Mm. You know what I mean? Where you raise a child and you don't immediately at four years old say to the little boy, where's your girlfriend? Where it's like, where it's ingrained in society where it's like, you don't talk to a child that way. You like, it's well, like that. There was a really interesting thing that a while ago, the Formula One race driver, Lewis Hamilton, and if you saw that. No, um, no, what happened? Got like five and a half million Instagram followers, whatever. Or oh, whatever. And um, <laughs> you know, it's just a number. Um, he put a thing of his young nephew, I think he was like four or something, who was wearing a dress, princess dress. And he basically shamed him on Instagram. He shamed his four-year-old nephew? Yeah, yeah, it was awful. It was an Instagram story and he said, I, I'm really annoyed today, let me show you why. He turned Can't the camera around that. and his nephew was in a dress having a really nice time. The reaction actually was really visceral and... and Against him. Yeah. Yeah, and that felt new, which I felt really feel new. interesting and good. But did he issue an apology? Yes, he did. Yes, he, I'll tell you what my thing Also, was the there. scrutiny that he just put his family under is like really oh, fucking gross. Yeah. a child, I know. But I was like, if you're going to say something, this is what I think, I would rather have, I don't know what you feel about this, I would rather have the debate with someone rather than, you know, when people say something on Twitter and then they remove it afterwards? Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean it and they remove it. 
Okay, obviously people do things in anger, and that's maybe a different thing. I think, no, no, come on, you've done it. Let's, let's talk about this. You know, let's have a debate. Do you get into Twitter conversations or are you I, asked to do debates? Well, I used to on, okay, I don't anymore because I think that actually, truthfully, that having discussions like this on Twitter sometimes can, because I've, I've experienced the good and the bad of it. Like, I've experienced, like, something that I've said all of a sudden literally getting, like, harpooned. Like, I made this comment that pissed so many people off a few months ago where I was just like, I've never experienced, like, a bisexual ally. And people were like, first of all, bisexuality is a valid sexuality. Like, we are not allies. Like, you know, it's like, how dare you even call us allies as if we're not a part of the queer community. And it was this reaction where I was like, okay, now I completely understand that, like, I've really offended a huge section of the queer community who is bisexual, but all I was trying to say was that someone who is bisexual, for the most part, in my opinion, in this context of like being like cis normative, they don't experience the same kind of oppression as, in my opinion, and I still think this, as someone who is trans or genderqueer or non-binary who like cannot pass as either male or female in how they look or present and experiences job discrimination or, or because of if they've chosen to have hormone replacement therapy or are not given proper healthcare, or all of these nooks and crannies of how people are treated on how they present in the world. All I was trying to say was just like, I've never felt like I experienced someone who was bisexual, like champion on behalf of like that. But I was speaking, about my experience, but I realized that like, as someone now who is seen in a lot of ways as this queer pioneer for the stuff that I've done, it's like people don't want to hear Mickey Blanco say something that excludes or that shames or that, you know, negates a, a, a part of someone else's queerness just to elevate another mm. side of the discussion. And that's really valid, and I understand that. And I learned from that experience to be really careful about how I word things because I did realize that in a way I was full on negating bisexuality, you know what I mean? But when they started coming at me, yeah. they started bringing these real world statistics which were just like, people who are bisexual, I, I think oftentimes have a higher suicide rate and like just all of these things that are like actual factual information that like psychologists and like have, have found to be true. And I was like, you know, I really am not as informed as I thought I was. And it's okay to realize that you're not as informed as you thought you once were, become informed and then switch gears. Mm. And one of the things that I found positive in a Twitter debate that actually did spur some things on was this thing that happened where me and this journalist one time, I, I, and, and it became this whole thing like two years ago, which was like, it became this hashtag, which was gay media so white, mm -hmm. that was talking about the fact that like, there was this moment where, okay, with all of the racial upheaval that was happening in America, you had people becoming really hyper aware of visibility, inclusivity, our consumer is now not gonna put up with this. It's like, it's like if you want millennials to read fucking Vogue, like, you know, you, you, it's, it's like you need to get on board with inclusion. Mm. So there was this moment that happened where, you know, you had Anna Wintour including way more models of color uh, covers, even Vanity Fair. You were seeing more of this 
inclusiveness in a magazine like Vanity Fair. And I made this comment where I was like, when are like the scions of gay publishing going to get on board? And people know this within our culture. And culturally, it's like the LGBT, like, honestly, is one of, in a lot of ways, is still this like last bastion of extremely visible white supremacy. And so I called this out. I was like, why is it that like, like over and over again, you only see white chiseled men like on the covers of your of your magazines and not and not only that but like a lot of the times they're not even gay and <laughs> it became this hashtag gay media so white then actual journalists started to do some fucking research and oh the articles that came out were like even more fucked up and damning and then you actually had the evidence of of how many times like only white men were on the covers of these very large queer publications. That I think was something that I found was really positive debate because it, mm, it was and true. That it's came like from yeah, from it, well, that Twitter. Came, that came from Twitter. From a tweet. They've they've gotten better. Yeah, yeah. They hired new people, you know, yeah. and like they got on board. They got with the time. Yeah. <laughs> they got with the time. Do you think the gay community is still very segregated then? Because I remember, I remember yes when no. we started this podcast just down the road in John Lewis department store, buying a washer dryer, as you do. And I was speaking to this guy, gay man, black, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing this podcast. And he said, well, well could you please talk to some gay black men, please? And I said to him, gosh, you know what? I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it. I said, that's really bad of me. You know, that's really narrow-minded to not think about yourself and what it'd be like in the gay community and he was he was saying that there was so much prejudice within the gay community and within the black gay community um and then i lost his number i think truthfully we live in this weird acceleration point where so much good has happened so quickly within the last i mean i like my career started in 2012 2013 and so much good has happened so for these younger generations these dialogues about race and sexuality and class and colorism and mm. these are these are things that people who are like 20 you know and you know and up and, and a little bit younger these are things they're like thinking about and talking about every single day mm. and like i think that what's frustrating is that people that you know i'm 31 i think people that are my age and a little bit older and a little bit older than that i think it's frustrating for certain people who are aware and cognitively aware that all of these changes are happening within the youth, but don't see it implemented within people of our peer set. Yeah. Mm. And it becomes like, you, and then you start, and it's, it's, it's this idea of like, it's like, it's like, why is everyone me still acting so stodgy? The world is changing. Like, why are you like still like, are like certain people of color like being turned away from like, like a gay nightclub for like not having the proper attire? Like, and it's like- That's what they, this guy was said to me. Like, it's like, they just want to like- Yes. One of the things that also I think kind of made me or has made me a way more calm and serene adult and like less aggressive and militant and combative is the fact that just like people are going to be who they are or change. And you, there's no reason in getting ruffled up about people who aren't like you or don't believe as you do because, and even if you find that to be problematic, because that's just how people are. And if you flipped it, they would say the exact same mm. thing or feel the exact same way about you. Yeah. Mickey, thank you. Yeah, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Because, I could, gosh, I feel like we need to scratch the surface. So
Ooh, hoochie mama. What I loved about Mickey was he's really progressive in his own way. And I think those kind of people are trailblazers because they give other people permission mm. to also be who they want to be. And yeah. so I think he's a sort of accidental trailblazer by just being indiv- by being an individual. He's just an original, isn't he? Do let us know what you thought of that interview. I do have some regrets about that interview. Oh, no, go on. There was a breakfast buffet downstairs when we arrived. We could have totally had some. Chris, what have you got coming up this week? Because I love knowing what's going on in your diverse, interesting, creative and wonderful life. I... In 60 seconds, starting now. Chris, on your week. Well, I've got... <laughs> well, I've Repetition. Got... Oh, I'm going to Barcelona with my mother as her Christmas present. I said I'd take her to Barcelona because she wants to see the world more. Oh, you are such a good son. I love hanging out with my mum. It's so much fun. I love her. And she's Isn't she very great? good at knitting. She is, and she knits all my friends who have babies little woolen hats. And curtains. She doesn't knit curtains, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although, my God, that would take a long time. Uh-oh, Dragon's Den, have here we come. Have you ever seen a knitted curtain? No, I haven't. And do you know why? Because this is a whole new genre we're going to invent. Trailblazing. If you had to go on Dragon's Den, what would you go on with? I've always I've said this so many times. Have you? Yeah, it's my mobile phone that also has a lighter attached to it. <laughs> Two carcinogenic things in one. In one, Why split them up? Why has no one done it? Thank you for listening. I'd like to thank my record company. I'd like to thank my manager. The, the Academy. Dogs, um, the Academy for this very moving reward. See, it's like Kate Winslet all over again. Uh, I didn't get my tickets to the Audi Polo. Oh, she's English, isn't she? She's not American. If you want to get in touch with us, please email hello at homosapienspodcast.com or tweet us at Will Young with a hashtag homosapiens. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also go on Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Why do I ask you to do that? Because in our extra homosapiens episode, which is a little bonus, which comes out on Tuesdays, we will, I, I will send you a t-shirt because the winner who has the best review will get a t-shirt from me. I haven't posted any of them yet which makes it even more special if... Doesn't it? I mean, when you get yours. We will leave you... With? A song. <gasps> with the homos in America. Uh, oh, with, with the homos in America. America. Stash oh. Oh. <laughs> with a homo in a sabia. <laughs> even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.